Over the past year and a half, I had a friend, I have had a friend, I still do have a friend, I have a friend who I believe has been making some significant strides away from faith in Jesus Christ. And it's hit me really hard. So we're in the midst of this whole soul care piece. This is one of the pieces that I've been processing in the past year and a half that's been hard and it's kind of exposed my need for how I'm, I'm emotionally and spiritually unhealthy in a lot of ways. And so this has really hit me hard. And I was surprised at the depth of sadness that I felt. This is someone I've journeyed very closely with in terms of our faith growth over the years. I'm thinking, why, why am I so sad about this? Like, I, I get it that it would bother me, but why this much? And so I was processing it with my spiritual director. You've, you've heard me mention my spiritual director a number of times along the way. I have an awesome spiritual director. If you're looking for a spiritual director, um, I could refer you to this, this lady we meet on Zoom once a month. She only charges $25 per session, and she's just excellent at asking questions. It's not a mentor. It's not a counselor. They both have their important roles. This is asking questions to guide you in hearing what God is saying. And so I brought this to my spiritual director, and... Uh, She's asking these, these questions, kind of probing deeper about why I'm feeling these ways. And a fair ways into the conversation, she stopped and she looked at me and she said, what are you afraid of? What's your fear under all of this? And that's the point in the conversation where I got really choked up and I could hardly get it out. And I said... I'm afraid that my kids won't all grow up to follow Jesus. And it was like, I had no idea, no idea that that was what was going on in my heart. But the questions led me to that point, and I was surprised as I spit it out. But because I have a very keen sense that because of the degree to which it moved me emotionally, that that was the peace that was driving how deep this was hitting me. I'd walked with my friend, I'd seen him go through all of the right steps to follow Jesus. And it shook my belief in my sense that if we just do all of the right things, and of course when I say it out loud, it's like, well, of course it doesn't work this way. But I felt it, and I was kind of believing it inside. If we just do all of the right things, everything's going to work out. And that wasn't happening with my friend, and so it triggered this within me, this fear that was driving me, where I wasn't trusting God with the future of my kids. And I felt like I'm the one that has to control that. So anyway, that's, that's a long story short. That's what it was, my fear. That was driving this deep sadness. We all have fears. And each one is tied to a struggle to trust God. Right? Fear, at, at its core, a fear is an inability to trust God and that he is good and that we're in his hands. So this is the, uh, the last principle in our soul care series, Becoming Whole series is the title, but we're working with the soul care book. And then we'll be next Sunday kind of doing a summary, a summary to the series. This one is called Overcoming Fears. Again, I encourage you to grab the book if you haven't already, just as a guide through these scriptural principles. So this idea of fear, what are your fears? And oftentimes these fears aren't things that bubble straight to the surface. I wouldn't have been able, 10 minutes earlier, I wouldn't have been able to articulate that fear. But it's when we look inside, we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and these things kind of bubble up and they come to the surface. 
Rob Reamer suggests that men in particular are not good at expressing their fears. We just say, oh, I'm frustrated. Or I'm angry. Or I'm discouraged. But he says that's just kind of the, that's the surface. What's the fear underneath that that's driving you? And honestly, I'm someone, I don't feel like I live with a lot of fear. Generally speaking. I'd say I'm, not a, I'm not a very fearful person. But God's been showing me. <laughs> No, there's some fears deep down that you've not recognized, that you're not speaking, that drive the ways that you react in different situations. What are your fears? One fellow in the Bible that was very particularly driven by fear, there's many characters that we can look and say they were acting out of fear, but one person in particular that seemed to be very fearful was Saul. There's a number of examples I could draw from, but I'm only going to look at three here for where we see the fear of Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 20 to 22. When Samuel had all of Israel come forward by tribes, the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was taken. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was taken, but when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord, has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies. Earlier on, a while earlier, God had spoken and said that Saul would become the first king of Israel. And he sent the prophet Samuel to anoint him. Saul knew this was the deal. He knew that he had God's anointing and blessing. But the day came when it was going to be announced to the whole nation and saying, this is who your next king will be. When they kind of went through that decision process, which God had already revealed earlier, they go to announce it, and Saul's nowhere to be found. Where is he? And the Hebrew suggests actually the language of luggage, that he was hiding in the luggage. I don't know what luggage, but he was hiding in luggage. Saul was afraid. He was afraid that he didn't have the capacity to live up to what God had called him to. He was not trusting in the God who had called him. Saul was walking in fear. We look at 1 Samuel chapter 13. Saul is leading Israel into battle. So he's the king now. They're going into battle against the Philistines. They're stationed. And they were given clear instructions by God. God said, wait there. The prophet Samuel will come and he will give you my blessing and my anointing. He was going to come and do a big sacrifice. And they would have God's blessing to head into battle. So they're there and they're waiting. And the Israelite army looks at the Philistines and they say, good heavens, this is a big army. We're kind of scared. And they start to scatter. And Saul's so looking at people scattering. And he's thinking, why isn't Sam? He was supposed to be here by now. Where is he? And so Saul took matters into his own hands. He prepared a sacrifice himself to seek the blessing of God to get ready to head into battle. Samuel shows up a little bit later and says, what have you done? This isn't your role. This isn't your job. This isn't what God called you to. You're resisting God's commands. And it was actually in that moment that God said to Saul, I'm going to remove at some point your kingdom because you have not trusted in me. Saul was acting out of fear. He wasn't trusting in the God who had granted him this role, who had said, I will give you victory. He took matters into his own hands because he was afraid that he couldn't trust God. And then a little later on in 1 Samuel 18, he tries to peg young David to the wall with a spear three times. David's becoming popular. 
Saul feels threatened, so he says, I'm going to run him in. He missed every time. It's a good thing he wasn't a good shot. But here he was, not trusting God's plan. He feels threatened. Oh, no, they like David more than me. What's going to happen? He forgets God had called him to be the king. But he acted out of fear rather than trust for God. And Reamer writes, if Saul had become self-aware, he would have seen the fight or the flight reflex as a symptomatic expression of fear. He would have seen these impulses as an indication that there was fear in his heart. Reamer says this could have been prevented. Oh, sorry, it could have prevented him from making disastrous decisions. Isn't that true that when we, we operate out of fear, usually it doesn't go well, right? Yeah. When we operate out of fear, usually it doesn't go well. And so if we can identify those fears, if we can allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into those and address them and say, okay, this is where I'm not trusting God, we can respond, we can interact in healthy ways. So can you identify with Saul? What are your fears? And I ask that question, inviting you actually to reflect over the next while, because if you can quickly answer that question now, um, it might not actually be that deep of a fear. It's probably actually something that you've got to spend a bit of time processing to discover. The good news is there's a better way than fear. As April reminded us earlier, it has some variation of do not fear 365 times in the Bible. That's a lot. That's a pretty central message. So how do we not fear God offers peace. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We can be in a place where we can trust God's plans and don't need to act out of fear. And I, I've, I have been discovering this as I'm, I'm growing into this. I've got a lot more fear that I have to work through, but I'm discovering this of a bit more of a a peace inside me of saying, you know what, like, I, I can't control this. This isn't healthy. This isn't good. God's got me. We can grow into that peace as we work this out. And, and really, it's sometimes God surprisingly hands it in an immediate way. But oftentimes, it's the process of allowing the Holy Spirit to work it through in us so that we can learn and grow. Because if He just handed it to us, those same underlying realities would still be in our hearts, not addressed. So how can you figure out when it is fear that rises up in you and drives you in horrible ways? The first one is to recognize the physiological signs. Recognize the physiological signs. If you're fearing, f- feeling fearful and you, and you take the fight approach, probably adrenaline kicks in. Your heart rate increases. You start raising your voice. You're ramping up the conversation. And you seek to aggressively control the situation. Can you identify with that? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to battle in this conversation. I'm going to direct all of this through the power of my might, my, my, my I'm just, my heart's just pumping. That's usually the fight. Let's dig in. Let's go. And there's the flight one. What are the physiological signs of that? Usually you kind of got this, this pit in your stomach and you start feeling kind of weak and numb and you're sort of backing away. You withdraw, you turn inward. Use passive-aggressive behaviors. Maybe you fantasize about a better situation somewhere else. It's a little bit dark here, but that's someone on a phone. Because when I choose the flight, that's when I curl up in my, my uh, lazy boy chair 
and I'm reading about sports and cruising social media because I'm stepping back from the fear that I'm feeling. So recognize the physiological signs, what your body's doing, how you're responding, what you're feeling, how your emotions react as well. The second one is to identify the root fears. This is where you invite the Holy Spirit into the process. You hold it out and say, God, what's going on here? I need you to show this to me. Get alone with him. Get a journal, get a pen, get a paper. Maybe it's just when you're driving. You're saying, God, turn it off the radio. What's going on here? And you invite the Holy Spirit to guide you. This ties into everything we've been talking about. It's very closely overlapping, interwoven with, we talked about wounds, we talked about family sin patterns, we talked about lies that attack your identity. This all overlaps. And so invite the Holy Spirit to guide you through that. So then once we've recognized our fears, how can we address this? And I think that Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7 give good insight into this. Philippians 4, 4 to 7. It reads, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the first bit of insight that Paul gives here is to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. When we lift our eyes intentionally off of ourselves, when we look at who God is and what he has done, that's a key first step in overcoming our fears. It's not the whole story, but a key first step. What helps you to worship? Maybe it is throwing on that worship music. Maybe it's getting a bit of time aside to read some scripture. Maybe it's just going for a walk and thinking about who God is. Lots of different ways that maybe, whatever it is, that draws your attention, your affections toward God. Number two, choose a gentle response. Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Often when acting in fear, Reamer points out, we act in impulsive, angry, defensive, controlling, self-protecting, and damaging ways. Yep. I know that's where I often go. So if we see ourselves beginning to act out in these ways, we stop and we say, nope, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to choose the path of gentleness. You can be direct. You can address situations. It doesn't mean we become a wallflower, but we do so with a posture of gentleness. If we see ourselves acting angry defensively, we need to choose the way of gentleness. The next piece, remembering God's presence. The Lord is near, Paul said, don't be anxious about anything. And this is different. It's closely connected, but different. You know, the first one is to worship God. This one is to remember that God is near. In the midst of whatever it is, that fear that you're facing, whatever it is, that God is there with you. You're not outside of his control. He hasn't let you down so far. He hasn't abandoned you. He's got you. And so just remembering in that situation, God is right there with you. Reamer mentions that when you let your mind drift, it naturally drifts toward your greatest problems. Do you find that? If you just kind of let your mind drift, you're thinking whatever. One, one of the, I love, when I, I worked for FedEx for a number of years, 
And I would deliver in the afternoons. This is when I was pastoring with Kingsfield Clinton. And I would deliver in the afternoons. And in the mornings, I'd be doing my, my church-related stuff. I'd head out in the van. Loved the job in a lot of ways. Listened to a lot of sports talk radio, which was kind of fun. Got to drive the, the countryside. But the worst thing, I don't know how truck drivers or other, other jobs do this, but the worst thing is I had a lot of time alone in the van to think. Right? And there are these problems in my life these challenges I was facing, these things I was stressing out about, and my mind would just spin in circles around them all afternoon. And I didn't, you know, I, when you're delivering, you just kind of shoot the breeze with people like, oh, it's kind of sunny out today, or oh, hey, I hope that snow holds off, or whatever, right? Like you're not having significant conversations, you're in such a hurry, you're in and out. So I didn't have anything to distract me from this stuff. My mind drifted to my problems, and actually it wasn't helpful. And so what does it look like in these times when our minds are drifting toward, I'm preaching to myself right now, when our minds are drifting toward these things that stress us out, these fears, to stop and say, no, I'm not going to go there. God is with me. I'm, I'm learning that. God is with me. And my identity doesn't matter in terms of how this works out or how it doesn't. He's got me. And then when we're in a healthier place of God is with me and he's got me, then I can clearly, in a helpful way, process what's happening. Right? I'm not saying you just ignore what's going on, but how do I do it in a place where I'm not acting out of fear, but acting out of this trust that God is with me and he's got me? The next point is to embrace redemptive suffering. Recognize that when you're experiencing fear, when you're going through a challenging circumstance, God is redeeming the situation. He's making you better. He's doing good things in the midst of the pain. Reamer says, when you are cultivating the presence of Jesus, when you intentionally go to him in your time of trouble, let him comfort you. You will be tempted during these times to go to a sin pattern that brings you comfort, like lust, fantasy, eating, or drinking. You'll be tempted. Go to Jesus instead. Feel the pain. That's a key, this idea of redemptive suffering. Feel the pain because God is doing important things within you. When you feel that pain, don't go to your fear. Don't go to these sin patterns. Feel it. Say, you know what? This hurts, and I'm going to step right into that because this is what I need to do this heart surgery. So feel the pain and let his love, his presence, and his victory bring you comfort. Second last one, overcoming fears will involve surrender. That's a core question. Will you trust in God? What is God asking you to give up to hand over in this moment? Oftentimes it's control. Choose to believe that God is trustworthy. That's a choice that we can make. In this moment, I'm going to choose to believe that God is trustworthy. I don't need to control the situation because God's in control and he's got me. And then the last one, overcoming fears always involves action. It always involves action. You're terrified to get up and stand in front of people and talk? How do you overcome that fear? You stand up in front of people and talk. You're terrified to have that difficult conversation with your son or your daughter? There's that fear. How do you overcome that fear? You work through all this stuff? And then you take that step and you have that difficult conversation. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to throw out more examples. But overcoming fear 
always involves that step of action then stepping forward into what God's asking you. And I'm, I'm not just saying, well, just whatever, how do I put this? Whatever causes you fear, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to jump into that. Maybe God's not gifted you in terms of speaking in front of people, and that's just not something he's asking you to do. But if he's asking you to do that, if it's a conversation that has to happen with your son or your daughter or whatever it is, if the Holy Spirit's saying, this is what you're doing, and you're like, no, 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 I'm scared, work through this, place your trust in God, and then you have to take that step. Overcoming fear involves action. Again, I'm just scratching the surface. I really encourage you to read the book as a guide through these scriptural principles. Um, So I'm going to conclude this here, leave you with a question. What would it look like for you to address one of your fears head on this week? Then we'll jump to the reflection questions, which I'll email out later this afternoon. What are my root fears? How do they manifest themselves? Is it flight? Is it fight? What variation of that? Next one. How are my fears affecting my relationship with God? Next. How are my fears connected to the lies that I believe? What are the wounds beneath those fears? I didn't even get into that, so I shared my fear at the start. What's the wound that's driving that? Why do I feel like I can't trust God? What, what, what happened that drives that? Take time to pray for healing. And then what are the courageous actions I need to take to overcome my fears? And then last, our prayer. that I invite you to pray together. Again, I invite you, if you wish, to hold out your hands to God as a physical demonstration of your heart. And we pray, Lord, I'm willing to change but I don't know how to change. There are deep-seated things inside of me that are broken. And I can see that. The problem is, I don't know what they are. I don't know what the roots are, and I don't know how to change them. I need your help. Can you lead me to a path of change? Amen. And as we conclude, I just want to honor all of you for the, the hard work. <laughs> These aren't, you know, we preach a sermon on the sovereignty of God and we walk away and saying, yes, God is sovereign. Or Jesus rose from the dead. You know, there's all these ways and they always affect us personally. But these ones in particular, these sermons we've been doing lately, this is leading us into hard, hard work. And I know I've been hearing from a number of people that are saying, hey, this is what this said to me or this is what God's doing in me. This is hard work. It's really hard work. So I want to honor you for jumping into this. I want to honor you for processing this with God. Um, It's hard work, so keep it up. All right, we're going to finish there. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Just a reminder to transition straight out through the foyer. Grab some sanitizer on the way out. Enjoy the sunny day. May God be with each of you. Thanks for being here.